If you were able to walk into a room confident that you would be well-received, seen, heard, and appreciated by others, and all it took was a few changes in how you navigate your everyday relationships, would you be willing to make those changes? It is possible to be both fully authentic and to experience the best relationships of your life. Now, here is the host of Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Michaela Gaffin-Stone. Welcome everyone to Navigating Complicated Relationships. I'm your host, Michaela Gaffinstone, and I am so thrilled to have a very special guest that I'm going to introduce to you shortly. Just want to give you a little background first on what we're doing here today and why I have this special guest here right now today. Yeah. Yesterday was the launch of a very special project called Our Forgotten Children. It's a book, it's a mission, it's a project. And my special guest, Sarah, has been dreaming this up, working on it, putting it together for five years. So you can bet it's an important project. And there are 15 authors, including Sarah and myself, who have contributed to this, different expertise, all about children and how we need to parent them differently. We need a new approach for today's child. And if you've been listening to me before, you already know that I espouse parenting differently and my coaching is called parenting reimagined for a reason we need to reimagine how our roles look to our children and how we show up for them so that they can be the best potential that they can be that they can reach that potential so my guest today is sarah troy and she has been championing this championing this change in raising tomorrow's children and we're looking to cultivate a society of responsible, well-adjusted adults. And to do that, we need more than financial resources, right? It needs a reevaluation of our priorities, restructuring societal norms. Nothing small here, right? We're going for the big stuff because it's important. And we're looking to create equal opportunities for all children, abled, differently abled, doesn't matter. That's not the point. Everybody has something they can contribute. And by bringing that forward in our kids, we can contribute to the well-being, prosperity and resilience of our society and help them make better choices than our generations have made. Right. Every generation says that, but we're actually working on it. So this is uh, a project and it's huge. And Sarah, I'm going to ask you now to introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us sort of your story, how you got to put this project together and why. And, you know, just let the listeners know something about you. Well, thank you so much for having me here, Mickey. And I'm absolutely delighted that you're in the book. Um, and really, it came about because I've been a podcaster now for nearly 12 years and 11 years in June with my own network. And the more and more I do shows around children and families, you know, more and more things came to the surface that I didn't know. I mean, I know my own story of being raised, of raising my own children. I know my own dynamics around that. But hearing what other people had gone through, uh, what other people and the way they'd been raised or how they're raising the children or having differently abled children and not getting the resources, children that were being forgotten, sex trafficking and all sorts of things, educational needs. 
And I realized this needed to be more than just podcasts. And so about five years ago, I need to do a book on this. And can you know how the universe works? The timing wasn't right. And when the time was right last year, I thought, okay, I've interviewed all these people. I'm going to reach out to them. And now let's do the book. And all but two had moved on to other things or retired. Um, and so, okay, all of a sudden now I'm interviewing people that I've set up for interviews and they turn out to be perfect for the book, like yourself. And it, but thank you, universe. Thank you, universe. You sent me the right people. And we have 15 very diverse chapters in there from different walks of life, different situations, whether it is a parent that is struggling with a differently able child, I prefer to call them differently able rather than disabled, and, and all the struggles they've gone through and the lack of resources or the lack of awareness of what's wrong with their child. Um, and also, you know, we've got people that are pro-parenting of parenting skills and how we can manage that burnout, you know, where most parents um, do get burnt out because they think they have to be the heroes of everything. So this is 15 chapters of some wonderful information that is just the beginning because there's going to be more books in Our Forgotten Children. Um, next year we'll come out with another one. At the end of the year, it's the Forgotten Seniors because uh, uh, we need to take care of them as well. But right. this project is the passion uh, for Our Forgotten Children and I want to see it in schools. I want to see it everywhere. I want people talking about it. Right. And we I actually had somebody reach out to me yesterday and ask about the book and also ask about me doing some talks for them for their organization. So, um, of course, I said yes, but yes. we'll talk about that later. Yes. Um, and I'm very excited about that possibility coming up so quickly. Mm. Um, parents burning out. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something this is very now. Right. It's it's something that previous generations wouldn't have thought of as being a thing. And I think that's largely because parents weren't expected to have five or six roles in the household. Yes. And they didn't have the challenges that this electronic age brings, right? We're on social media right now, and that's great because we can reach a whole lot of people. Yeah. But unfortunately, a whole lot of people can reach our children and it's not always helpful. Thank so you. the kids have a lot to navigate and the parents are trying to navigate their own world, the kids' world, the society, you know, the planet on fire, all the things going on. And there's so much, of course, parents burn out. So having this resource, mm -hmm. yeah, having this resource to sort of give parents some tools and some options and some different perspectives, I think is amazing. And it comes from so many different people. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about your chapter and, and where that went? What did you choose to do with that? And um, when it came to my chapter, I mean, I was let again, the universe speak to me, what am I going to write about? Because there's so much I wanted to address. But as I started typing, I, I realized it's like uh, uh, the initial um, title for the chapter is I weep for the children. And I thought maybe that's too dramatic. So I changed it. But um, the, you know, the, really the weeping for the children is why are we seeing children going out randomly stabbing people, uh, you know, opening up gunfire, um, the, the apathy that they're in, the, the lack of consciousness, the lack of care, consideration, love, compassion. And that I do not blame on the children or necessarily the parents, but the system. And we are not assisting our children to be connected to themselves, uh, to feel a part of the present, never mind hope for the future. And I think that they're just kind of feeling lost 
and and scattered out there trying to feel something and unfortunately trying to feel it in the wrong way. So my chapter is is about what I feel we need to do to engage our children, let them find that meaningful purpose that is their driving force that they strive for, um, you know, and some tips and tools on on really the you know, the hows and the what's to pay attention to and how to make them more engaged in their own life. So A, they don't develop apathy, but B, that consciousness of compassion and caring it becomes more prevalent in their lives. Right. And I, I have it for the, them first. <laughs> I, I think the pandemic that we've been mm. through and, and we're still kind of straggling with, honestly, yes. um, that has had a massive impact on parents and children alike. And kids have lost years of social development and and that apathy I think unless we head it off really quickly and really strongly with this kind of project unless we do something like that we're going to see more behavior that you've described of the the violence and so on coupled with the apathy and the lack of you know what's my point in even being here yeah that lack of sense of purpose we're going to see more of that before we see less So it's absolutely crucial, I think, to not be complacent about where our kids are at right now. We have a lot of work to do in the social skills arena. And also I've discovered in my work that there are a lot of kids with anxiety, whether or not they have too much. Yeah. Whether or not they have other diagnoses, the anxiety, particularly for teens, is through the roof. Mm -hmm. And when you get that kind of anxiety, you get a lot of behaviors that are problems. So I think this, the book and the start of the bigger project is absolutely necessary right now. I think the timing was perfect on this. Thank you, universe. (laughs) Right? Yes. So what's your plan as far as it goes? Because I don't know how how structured you are with your plan on this, but how how do you want to get it into schools? How would you like to get it in the hands of teachers and Um, and admin actually. I'm, I'm quite happy to plead and beg and uh, and put books in schools and beg people to put, put books in schools so to reach out to those philanthropists and say buy a thousand books and put them in schools um you know I'm, I'm going to go all out on this it's that I think it needs to be in the coffee room in the lunch room of, of the teachers you know uh Everybody just pick up a chapter, start the conversation I want to see it in community centers I want to see it in parents groups um, you know, mums groups, etc. I just wanted to start opening up the dialogue, right. you know, and, and that, as I said, this is book one in the series. So this is just scratching the surface. I, I know there's going to be three. There may even be more. I don't know. But it's getting the conversation going. I did not know about, um, um, oh, gosh, what was it? Um, I always get the letters wrong because I'm dyslectic, folks. But it is this disruptive behavior um, that two of our parents have gone through that I'd never heard of before. And, but I found three parents in the size of a month that ch- their children had this and, and had never been brought to my attention before of this ever. And so we, we need to look at how our behavior is towards parents and children that are struggling through. And I think, I don't care if you are a parent or not a parent, I think reading this book will give you better insight of your behavior around parents, around other children, and have more compassion and more understanding. And perhaps even say, can I help? 
Yeah, every now and then I see a, a very nice little story about, you know, somebody being on an airline and a, a baby that's just yeah. screaming and, and another passenger will say, here, give me the kid. Yeah. And then the yeah. child calms down, you know, and that's the kind of thing that if we could do more of that sort of mm. behavior and less of the, you know, the judgmental look oh. when you're at the checkout and yes. your kid starts to have a wobbly, yeah. it's... <laughs> You know, your child's throwing a tantrum and you know, you can feel even if you're not looking, you know what looks are telling you. Oh, yes. That child needs a smack or that child needs, you know, if I had that kid, they wouldn't yeah. be doing that. And <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate for the people who are bringing that judgment because, you know, they're trying to make themselves feel better yeah. by judging the other person harshly. Mm. Meanwhile, the parent cannot make a good decision from that place of stress. No. And so they're likely to say something such as, you know, if you don't come with me now, I'll leave you there. But that's not really helpful because the child hears language that they know you're not going to follow through on, which means you can't be trusted to do what you're saying you're going to or do. Or that you're going to abandon me and you don't love me. Or they believe <laughs> yes. you and then you've got that problem. But yes. there, there is no win scenario in yeah. that one. And I think the more awareness we have, as you said, you don't have to be a parent to need the awareness. But I would also love to see that getting into schools. And, you know, I think a, a really interesting place we could start is libraries. Yes. Having libraries taking the book in and maybe in the areas where the different authors are, the authors could go and read their chapter yes. at the local library. That would be you know, wonderful. Would that be? I, that would be wonderful. And I kind of hope the authors will kind of go along to their libraries and say, I'm donating a book, <laughs> you know, can you, I'll come and read a chapter and, uh, you know, let's, let's get this out there. Because, they, you know, what is a library? It's a resource. It's right. a resource of, of entertainment and enlightenment, but, you know, of, of education. And, you know, this can go in the this self-help book of parenting and become one of those resources for people who work with children, around children. I mean, I don't care who you are, whether you like children or not, you're going to be around them at some point. Well, you're you going will. to be around a parent that is stressed out, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I always find that interesting when somebody says they don't like children because it's like, but you were one. So what I know. Did you not like and about that may be indicative of their childhood. I was right. just going to say, yeah. you know, what, what did you not like about your childhood? Yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah, exactly. We could, <laughs> we could revisit that and do it a little differently. Uh, yeah. So we're about to have a break, but I would love for people listening to think about where do you think this kind of resource that we've just sort of started talking about, where do you think a resource for parents and children to help them get to a better space? Where would that be best placed? What ideas do you have? If you would like to email me at Mickey at Gaffinstone, M-I-K-K-I at Gaffinstone.com, I would love to know. And later we'll be putting out resources for you to contact Sarah, myself, the other authors. You have lots of places to go. So don't go away. We're just going to have a very quick break. Make lots of notes and give us your questions. See you in a minute. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? 
Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for hanging around, and thank you for listening to us. We're having fun today talking about a brand new project called Our Forgotten Children, and it's a book right now. It's going to become so much more. We want to create this into a place where people come and have conversations. There are talks maybe at the local business bureaus because, you know, kids are integral to society they they will be paying your retirement later so you might want them to be in a good space you know you might want them to be showing up and doing well now before i get back to asking sarah some more questions i just want to mention we are available on 450 platforms we are on audible spotify iHeartRadio, roku tv apple smart tv a whole lot of places so if you haven't subscribed yet Find your favorite place, look for Navigating Complicated Relationships on the Inspired Choices Network, and you'll find me there. So just put your subscription on there so that you don't miss an episode, because these are powerful episodes. It's my purpose to bring you information that helps your day and maybe helps you think about things a little bit differently. This book is all about that. It's all about how can we change what we're doing, because I don't care what school system you're looking at. Mm -hmm. They're all broken at this point because across the world, we have a system that is designed for the industrial revolution. It turns out people who say, "Uh uh-huh, yes. And they change room when the bell rings, you know, they're not thinking, they're not critical thinking isn't taught in school now and books are being banned faster than they can be written. And so we are, narrowing down the scope that our children can learn from. And I think that is honestly my personal opinion. It's nothing short of criminal to do that to our kids. So this book is about changing that. So Sarah, I'd love to ask you what, apart from my chapter, of course, what is one of your other favorite chapters in the book? I'm not going to pick favorites. It's like (laughs) picking favorite children. They're all impactful, right? But I mean, you know, it's in reading of them. I mean, we, we, you know, we were live yesterday and various um, authors came in. Buddy Thornton came in and his is all on, you know, parenting and, uh, um, and, and a really wonderful chap. He puts graphics and everything in it. And he'd already bought the book and read it three times already. He was so impressed with everybody else's chapter, which it really says a lot, because he's a, an author himself as, and um, been an advocate for a long time. So the, I think what I like about all of the chapters is the fact they're coming from the heart, right? It's not just information that feels sterile. 
it's coming from the heart. It's coming from experience. It's coming from people that truly do care, which I'm afraid is my base platform for anybody to be interviewed or work with me on any level. If it's not coming from the heart, it can't be real. And so what I'm loving to, you know, we've got Nancy Cotton, who um, is all about autism. I mean, she's retired, but for her, the passion around autistic children and, and how we need to change the way we teach, to change the way we approach, stop looking at these children as broken. They're not broken, they're just differently able. Do they come at things from a different point of view? And if we stop, you know, the old school system paints everybody with the same brush. And we're, we are very, very diverse creatures. And so we need to learn in different ways because that is our channel, our channel yeah. of learning to follow our creativity to our meaningful purpose, our contribution to the world. And if you're trying to put everybody into this tiny little box, only a few of them are going to escape and be that creative. Otherwise, everybody else becomes sheeple and we've dumbed them down. And what we've done is we've disserviced us our future with those creatives that could have been something absolutely extraordinary had we tapped into the gift of what they are and nurtured who they are, what they want to do or what they're just in discovery of and allow them to believe they can be more. Oh, and, I think the belief, the, the belief yes. there is huge because mm. when we lead with a label, whatever yes. that label is for a child, what you're doing is saying, here's your mark, live to that. Yes. So, you know, when I was at school, the word, now in the UK too, the word stupid is banded about an awful lot. People use <sighs> it all the time. Stupid, and, you know, oh, you're so yeah. stupid. <laughs> what are you doing with this? And it, it's almost like punctuation. It's used so much. Yeah. But what people don't realize, because it's part of the culture to use that word, is that kids take this in and assume it means them and it, yeah. they, it means something about them. And then if you add another label on top of that, you know, oh, you have ADHD, you can't possibly keep track of anything, or you have dyslexia, you can't be an author, or, you know, whatever it is, insert label here. The problem is everybody, the child, the teachers, the parents even, will start to focus on that label yes. and be worried about it. Like, okay, so what does that mean I can't do? And it's coming from a very negative perspective when you yeah. put that label first and foremost. And there's one family that I've worked with where in the beginning, the mother said to me, well, do you think my child does this because of the autism? And, and I literally like shocked her into silence when I said, well, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The question is, do you want to see the behavior? And she, she said, told me later she had so many emotions because she'd fought so hard to get that label. Mm -hmm. And then I turned around and said it didn't matter. Exactly. And I, I was almost fired. Right? Like, <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not going to work with you. But my point was he's more than the label. He's exactly. bigger than the label. And let's not focus on that. You've got it. You need it for, you know, insurance purposes and stuff, particularly in the U.S. But you don't need it beyond that, I would argue. Because when people present with this is my child, they're autistic. Yes. You are setting that kid up for a world of difficulties. Whereas why don't you just say, this is my child, he's amazing. Full stop, you know? full stop, right, exactly. Um, I mean, I was one of those children, I was a very sickly child. And so, you know, out of 12 years of schooling, I may have completed six or seven because I'd be out most winters, et cetera. And it was always like, you know, she's slow to learn. And I discovered later I had dyslexia. So and nobody knew that while I was going through school. But it's just like, no, nah, she'll never catch up. 
you know, she'll never be academic. And so it's always, you're never going to be academic. You'll never get anywhere in life. And, you know, for a while, of course, I believed that. But there was the spirit side of me that was, I, I literally, um, you know, we had one of them on yesterday where her things is the mind BS, you know, the stuff we tell ourselves, et cetera. It was lovely. Um, uh, Christina, uh, obviously on the platform that's still up there, you can listen to it. But that BS that was given to me, then I believed for myself. But my spirit would walk into a job and and say, yes, I can do it, even if I didn't even know what it was. And <laughs> I... I was the first mobile oil women rep in South Africa. I had no comprehension of the oil. They put me through a program. I still didn't get it. But I realized I didn't need to. The companies I'm working with, they know which oil they like and why. All they needed was customer service. And that is something I was good at. And so I managed to kind of con my way into jobs, sometimes to find out, no, I can't do it. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> so bye-bye. Um, but a lot of the time, oh, I didn't know I could do that. Case in point, podcasting and doing all the editing and doing everything else. I didn't know I could do it until I had to. Right. And, and that's when you realize. And then, and then I realized, actually, in some ways, not having expectation, because we can over-expect on our kids put the pressure on them to always be great. Having no expectations on me, I realized in some ways actually was a little bit of a gift because then I surprised people whenever I achieved anything. <laughs> it kind of depends on you as well. So yes. the age-old argument of nature versus nurture yes. has finally arrived at a conclusion that the answer is yes. It's both. It's 50-50 yes. more or less, yes. right? So how you show up makes a difference to what you can do with the hand you're dealt. Mm -hmm. And there's no question about that. But when we label kids, it does tend to give them the negative view of themselves. And I love what you were saying about, you know, I didn't know if I could do it, but I just yeah. said yes and then went and tried. Yes. And that, how do you know if you can or not? <laughs> yeah. And, and that is how so many kids, particularly our kids with special needs labels, mm -hmm. That's how they can discover their zone of genius. I am going to use that term because many kids that I've worked with, with autism, for example, are actually they have superpowers because their ability to focus is unparalleled. And the way that a child with autism and an adult with autism can look at a, a common problem or a situation that we're all so familiar with, we're blind to it, we don't see it, but they do see it. And they can see a different way. Yes. And that is actually what we need in society. So, these, you know, these kids, instead of putting them in a corner and saying, you know, you have this label, go sit down and, and try not to, you know, flap your hands. That's wildly unhelpful. And you're taking probably the best resource we have mm -hmm. and telling it to sit down. It's like, yes. wow. So bringing that awareness to people that, no, look again. Look exactly. and see what does yes. this child come up with that you never thought of? Right. Because if we keep doing things the way we are currently doing them, what we're going to end up with is an even bigger mess, which is hard to imagine, but an even bigger mess yeah. than we currently have in the world. So, you know, I, I really do feel very strongly about this project and I'm so glad and, and happy to be in it and to have contributed a chapter because I'm really looking for that to open doors to people asking me questions and saying, well, okay, but what about this? Or how does that look? Or where do I use this? And I am here for that all day. Like, I'm so happy to offer that to people. 
Well, you're and number one in the uh, in the book as well. I'm uh, number and, one in the book. Yes. And actually, I, I handed this to a friend who is a teacher and a librarian for like 40 years. And I said to her, which order do you think this needs to go in? Because I was too close to it, right? And she she chose the order of everybody. And of course, you're you know right there with behavioral patterns. And really, if we don't acknowledge our behavior, um, and where does that behavior come from? Is it an old programming? Is it societal programming? Um, is it something we really like? Or, or is this behavior just, you know, sheepling? You yeah. know, something we've learned. And uh, I think being conscious of our behavior right from the word go helps us actually understand the other chapters even more. Because we're now looking at our behavior when we're reading about what the, the struggles are or the challenges are and what we need to do. And so it's, it's kind of that question, what would I do in that? You know, I, and that's what we want people to do is pause. Well, there's no criticism of what you're doing. It's recognizing that what you're doing may not be beneficial for your child or society. And it's not your fault because it's the patterning that's been imposed upon you through the system. But yeah, being we, aware of it now, we can make changes. We can basically start working from what we know. And yes. then when we realize that's not working. That's the time to say, yes. okay, what do I want to do differently? Mm -hmm. And one of the questions that I like to ask parents is don't look at what happened to you that you didn't like that's kind of looking over your shoulder and yeah. when you move forward looking over your shoulder you walk into poles it's not very comfortable <laughs> but if you could look forward and say what kind of parent do I want to be mm. how do I want to show up and what does my child need now you're looking mm. at new behavior and you know behavior is my jam it's my thing yes. so I get very excited about people turning around and looking forward it's just it opens up so much possibility for them. So I'm thrilled to be where I am in the book. Yeah, and well, it's, it's very apropos. And, and and really, that's kind of one of the things we're wanting to do is just, you know, I always say even, even in a show, if there's one thing in a show that you get out of that pivots you to look at something differently, you know, then we've done our work. And it's like, we just want you to look at something differently. We, we want you to question I have, want to to be <laughs> I have to jump in because we have another break, believe okay. it or not. I, it's so fast, right? So yes. listeners, please stay tuned to Navigating Complicated Relationships here on the Inspired Choices Network. Sarah and I will be back in just a moment with more goodies for you. Bring your questions if you have them. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. 
This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so thrilled you're still here listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships. I'm your host, Michaela Gaffin-Stone, and you can catch me on email, mickey, M-I-K-K-I, at gaffinstone.com. And Sarah, your email is? Selfdiscoverywisdom at gmail.com. So please send either of us, both of us, emails. Let us know what you'd like to see happen with this book. And it's available on Kindle right now. It's a low price of what, 388? 388. 388 on Kindle. I mean, seriously, you have 15 experts in your pocket. (laughs) (laughs) 15 experts in your pocket. And I want to highlight one or two things from the book some more so that you, you sort of get the idea of the diversity without giving away too many secrets. But we do have someone who has written, produced, a thousand songs for children is that correct and we have qr codes in the book so the parents can read this chapter have the songs there the kids can sing along with and by scanning the qr code you get the music but tell us a little bit more about that particular chapter because this is a very unusual thing to include in the book and i think it just enriches the whole i do i of of the program Um, It's Schwapna Abraham, and I've been interviewing her for years on her music, and she's an accomplished um, singer-performer. And um, I think it was back 2000, I can't remember if it was 17 or 19, she started doing a thousand songs a day that she would write and produce and do live every single day for a thousand thousand, days. Hang on, a thousand songs, how often? A thousand, not every day, no, not a thousand songs a day, a thousand songs overall, a a song a day, yes. Right. Thank you for correcting. And it ended up being a thousand songs over a thousand days. And then during that, she said, oh, why not do children as well? So she ended up doing an adult song and a child song every day that she would compose kind of on the spot and do live every single day. And then from those songs, now she's been in the studio re-recording them. And they can be short. They could be 45 seconds or a minute bit because they're meant to be catchy for kids to join in and sing. So now what she's done is she's taking it. It's going to be in a five-volume book where each song will have the words for it. It will have graphics with it and the QR code. Because she said, I don't know how to get this out in a book. And I said, QR code. Go, oh, yeah. <laughs> so you put the QR code up and the song comes up and the kid can sing along with it. And, you know, and there's short, sweet songs that they, you know, how kids are, they love to repeat things and they love short, sweet songs. And it's all about, you know, some of them are lessons, some of them are fun, some of them, you know, are warm and fuzzy. Um, But yeah, she's put five books together. And the reason why I wanted her in this is that I know how important music is in my life and how I use music in the raising of my children. Uh, And, you know, how music is important in the expression for children, whether they dance or whether they sing, you know, music is a wonderful calming or wonderful liberating and uplifting or soothing, you know, and music is so impactful. So when I asked her to be a part of this, she said, are you sure? And I said, absolutely, because, you know, music is, is such a huge thing in a child's life. And I think it can teach them sometimes to express themselves in a way that they actually can't find the words for, but they can find it through a song, right? So uh, I'm delighted to have her in the book. 
Yeah, I, I was very excited to hear about that because it's a yet another resource all in one place with this book. You know, if you're a parent or a teacher and you want to take that and use it in the classroom or use it as, at home just as a quick break yes. or, a, you know, a hey, we, we did wonderfully today. Here, let's yeah. have some songs. You know, there's different ways you can use it not only as a quote unquote reward, but just as something positive in the day to break up the day and to be different from focusing on that tablet or that phone or, you know, the screen. Yes, we're still using technology with the QR codes, but let's get back to some music, which is very basic. Which is on Spotify too. So you can play it in the car. You know how kids, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Or they start fighting. So, you know, it is great to put on the music. Let's sing along, right? right. So it's great to have in the car or on any trip as well. So, you know, it, I mean, you, uh, I have a three, almost a three-year-old grandson and, and uh, almost a year-old grandson, and they both love music. You know, you see the little bodies going, you know, when the music comes on. And it's, I think music is, is soul food, soul food. You know, you've reminded me of when I worked in a preschool and I, I was in a classroom with a couple of other teachers. I was uh, an assistant at the time. And I noticed that the kids had very stiff little bodies, the way they moved. Mm-hmm. And so... I talked with the others about it and we changed our circle time for a while to dance time and we Mm. would put music on. And funnily enough, the kids would go for a lot of Michael Jackson and Nelly Furtado (laughs) and stuff like that rather than kids music. But we got them shaking it, you know, like Ricky Martin, this kind of music and got the kids to really loosen up. And what I found every single time we did that circle time, different things happened. Other teachers would come into the classroom for their coffee break and prop up the wall drinking their coffee, (laughs) enjoying the scene of these kids dancing. And then the kids afterwards, this one little girl I remember in particular, she used to love to paint and she'd be there at the easel and she's kind of dancing Mm. around and humming and singing and stuff. And the whole classroom atmosphere lit up like it just it lightened and it lit and the kids were enjoying their days and they would come into the classroom in the morning, and these are just little kids. They come skipping in, you know, like, okay, what are we going to do? Yeah. And I had this thing where every day I wore different earrings, and my earrings would give away a theme for the day. So the kids ah. would come up and stare at my ears. <laughs> and, you know, it was another way that we just introduced a different way yes. of looking at how your day was going to be. But music transformed mm. that classroom into a whole other yeah. place. Like if you were looking at that on television, you'd have had a magic school bus, Miss Frizzle moment. You know, it would have just transformed to something. And that's the power of music. Yeah. Using it in the right place just for a 10 minute circle time or a 15 minute. Like, wow. There is another uh, wonderful uh, author there, Dewati Bastido, out of uh, the UK, London. And uh, what she's been doing for years is teaching kids yoga and meditation. And she has some wonderful meditative um, uh, music for kids, very, very young, to learn how to breathe, how to be still, how to be quiet, how to calm down, and using the technique of meditation, yoga, and she's written books on it. And so, you know, that's how she's incorporated music into the meditation and the yoga. And uh, I think if we can teach our children very, very young, those techniques, it's something that will be with them for life. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes the child is able to say, you know, parent of mine, whichever Mm -hmm. one it is, let's breathe. 
You know, and, and I've actually seen that in action where the child has said, I think we need to take a break. You know, they, they do this. And and that's wonderful. If the parent can receive it, that is so yeah. helpful because we forget we weren't raised that way. No. And so if our kids can help us come back to mm-hmm. the breath, because if you're in a, a rapid, shallow breathing pattern, that's the same breathing pattern that prey have that are running from the predator. It tells your body we're in trouble. There's mm. a saber toothed tiger coming, fight or flight. And, and you're flooded with these stress hormones. Yes. You can't possibly make good decisions from that place. And you can't really see straight. You know, you can't see the situation straight from there. Whereas that deep breathing, that much slower breathing, now that is somebody who is not running from anything. Mm-hmm. And so the brain says, oh, hey, we're cool. Everything's good. This is fine. What, what do I need to do now? Yeah. You know, and you can access the things that you want to access in your environment at that time. So teaching it to the kids, they learn it before they learn not to do it. Exactly. And and that's so helpful because then they can bring it back to us. And we really need more of that, more of the breathing and just let's everybody calm down because, you know, I'm sure you have been in situations where you see kids are just, whoop, you know, off they go. <laughs> Particularly if they're sent to school with a sugary cereal for breakfast oh, yes. and they have, you know, those sugary drinks during the day, their brains are on crack, basically. Right. Yeah. They're, you know, they're running around with all the sugar coursing through them. They and then they're being forced decisions. to sit down and sit still. And then you're wondering why they're misbehaving. And it's because you fueled yeah. them up with the wrong fuel. <laughs> you, you gave them exactly the thing to do, exactly the behavior you're getting. Exactly. And then wonder why it happens. So, yeah. you know, there's so many ways that we can just make little changes mm-hmm. that are actually huge moving huge forward. Impact. You know, the knock-on yeah. effect is massive. But I think as as we focus on the children, also looking at the parents, of course, is absolutely key because we're looking at a lot of Generation X. A Generation X raised itself. It's the Mm. feral generation. Many boomers were working. Both parents were working. They were focused on the house and the two cars and the da-da-da, and they didn't see their children. So they're just like, go out come back don't burn the house down and you know we have things for you to do but we're not going to tell you how to do them and now you have that generation raising kids well of course it's going to be haphazard they're working from not a lot you know and that's again it's not pointing fingers and blaming because every generation Mm -hmm. brings its baggage and then parents from there you know so coming from this knowing that we're working with parents who really are trying but they just don't have the resources. I think bringing this kind of book with all different approaches, music, there's breathing, there's meditation, there's understanding for parents. Christina Coderre was on here before. She she already talked about her BS, parenting BS and and how to not burn out. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a very helpful episode. So if you're listening and you'd like to check that out, please do. And Christine is also in the book. Yes, she is. She's very strongly advocating for parents Mm -hmm. and how to not only survive your kid's childhood, but how to thrive in your kid's childhood. We we enter this as very much a battleground, right? It's it's perceived as something you have to get through. But wow, it's the foundation of your child's future and really your relationship with them. So yes. I think the epi- episodes that 
or the episodes, I'm already calling them that, the, <laughs> the chapters that you've brought together, you know, they could each be a whole talk on their own or, you yes. know, there's so many things we can do. This well, I mean, each one of them has a platform already. They're already doing so many things. We have Lachelle Atkins and uh, she is a mum of 15 and she birthed 13 of them. And, you know, her chapter is on mama burnout. She ended up in hospital two or three times from mama burnout. She actually was an only child and she wanted a big family. But of course, having a big family, it was like, what do I do with all these kids running around now? And I remember once interviewing her and she said, hold on a moment. And here is the kid screaming and there's a scorpion in the kitchen. <laughs> so there was always something crazy going on. Um, but they're also the pack of the children all being their own village, so to speak, you know, everybody helping one another. But I mean, you know, Rishi really emphasized about the burnout and that how can you be there for your children if you're burned out yourself? And so many parents, especially mums, you know, it's like the the kids, the kids, the kids, we put ourselves further and further and further down oh, the ladder you know, I'm, until I'm we're depleted. To, <laughs> I'm going to have to jump in again because it's break time, but I do want to come back to that right after the break because that idea of, you know, putting your kids first and putting yourself last. Yeah. That is faulty thinking. And I really want to go there yeah. and come back. So please continue to listen to Inspired Choices Network. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships. I'm your host, Michaela Gaffinstone, and I am having a fabulous conversation with Sarah Troy today. See you in a moment. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at Gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. This time between breaks is going so fast that I'm really having to keep my eye on this because Sarah and I could talk for quite a while. In fact, we have done before on her podcast. Mm -hmm. So we'll tell you more about that in a little bit. But I did say I wanted to get back to the idea of parents putting their kids first and themselves last. And this comes from, I believe it's the generation of lack or the post-war, the sort of war to post-war generation from the Second World War, where it was literally, well, you know, one of us eats and one of us doesn't. And they tended to make choices that weren't always ideal. Because the thing is, if you don't look after you first as the parent, then what quality are you giving to your child? You cannot pour from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. So that whole idea of I'm going to sacrifice me for you, child, is unfair to the child because they're not getting the best from you. It's unfair to the child because chances are at some point the narrative is going to come up. I did all this for you yes. and you did not. You did it for yourself. It was your choice. And while you may intend well, it's not fair to the kid. So parents that are listening, if you take one thing away from me today, put yourself first 
and then look to your child. It doesn't mean only look after you. Mm -hmm. It means make sure that you are in the best place you can be so that you can look after your child, so that you can be there for them and fully attentive. That's what we're looking for, not the sacrifice thing. That is that is a negative energy. It doesn't help. You're giving your child permission to look after themselves, to fortify themselves. 100%. I mean, I, you know, I kind of raised my children like my mum did. Now, my mum had help. She had housekeepers and things like that. And she had a nanny at one point. So I didn't have any of that. But my mum was still a martyr. And I didn't realize I was becoming a martyr as long as the kids are all right, as long as the kids are all right. And I was burning out. And I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And then trying to work through the sickness to still be there for my kids. And uh, I mean, eventually it's my kids that put their foot down and say, Mom, this has got to stop. Right. At that point, they reach teen years and they say, no, enough, enough. When things have to change. But I thought I was doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And but what I was doing was teaching my children that it's OK to put everybody else first and not yourself. And. That means everybody else can walk all over you and use you up and right. spit you out, <laughs> right? And, and where does that leave you? And then we see them repeat that in their own relationships, right? Absolutely. And we, we want to break that cycle because 100%. parenting is two parents. Whatever sexual orientation it is, it's two parents. And it's everybody stepping in <clears throat> to, to play their role. You know, the, some have strengthened this, some have strengthened that. You find out who's good at what, but it is co-parenting and it shouldn't just fall on the shoulders of just the mother. Right. Or just the father. We've, or we've just had the father, which the we've show seen before. more of today. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've had someone on the show before that had that issue. Yes. Um, and I feel very strongly, too, and I've noticed this in my work, that when you have somebody who is a sacrificial parent Mm -hmm. you know they'll put themselves on the on the altar you know for their children what happens is there are no boundaries there as you just mentioned Mm -hmm. you get walked all over and so your children have no idea how to set boundaries and then you get the distress of seeing them making poor decisions or worse having poor decisions made for them Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to not go there Mm -hmm. because they never learned how to set boundaries And that takes me straight back to Generation X who were never taught to set boundaries. It's a big issue. And I've had people come to me, they don't even know what a boundary is to describe it. You know, I've had people say, well, you know, if if I don't want this to happen, then that's a boundary. Well, okay, but did you tell anybody? Yeah, Described it? Does anybody know know that that's your boundary? Right, (laughs) because if you don't don't put it out there, it's not a boundary. It's an idea in your head. And we all know that those are going to get run over and, you know, it doesn't last. So we literally are down to the last four minutes or so of this episode. Can you imagine? Like 51 minutes. (laughs) So what would you love for people to take away from today? How can they find you? How can they get more of you? Tell them all the things. Well, most importantly, go to the orchardofwisdom.org slash forward our forgotten 
a, a children's book. There you will find not only where to buy the book, but you'll find every single author and you click on their link and it takes you to the author's page where you can buy from their page. It doesn't matter, but it, you're also going to see the shows they've done with me and you're going to see their links back to their own work and their own websites, etc. Uh, and all that they have done. And some people I've known for a few years, there's quite a number of shows underneath there. Some people are new, maybe only one or two shows uh, and you can get to know them that way directly. So every single author has their own author's page, um, but you go through our Forgotten Children link on, our, on the uh, orchardofwisdom.org. And we also are on Facebook group, Our Forgotten Children, and a lot of announcements will be there as far as when the paperback comes out, when the audio comes out, when Ask the, Ask the Author Question platform comes out and anything else that we're going to do. And we would love feedback from you. What, um, what chapter did you like? What, did, what impact did it have on you? And of course, you know, I am a podcaster first. That's my profession. So selfdiscoverywisdom.com is where you'll find all the podcasts. Um, as I said, of all the authors, you'll find their podcasts on their author page. But you'll also find uh, Raising Our Gifted Children, which is all about children. And many shows on that, authors, many shows on children's books, etc. And there's 3,500 shows there. So you'll find 18 different genres on whatever topic suits you. But please support the book. Right now, it's How many? in a paper book. How many resources have we just put out? there today holy smokes yes, exactly and i know i know the authors myself included would love to have feedback on what did you love what do you want yes. more of yes if there was anything that wasn't clear let us know so we can clarify and and put that out there for you and where would you like to see this resource this is really important to us to know how we can best get this to as many people as possible because we feel very strongly that this is useful it's changing it's groundbreaking it's something that we need right now the timing is perfect yeah. so if you go to sarah's podcasts look back on my podcasts go check the author's pages and you'll see who we're supporting because each person has a different charity yes. mine is .org, and that particular organization it's a non-profit are uh, putting out counseling and ptsd services for children in need and this is tragic that we need this mm -hmm. in this day and age but we do we need it urgently so that's mine there are 14 others and they yes. all get supported by this book mm -hmm. so you are doing yourself a favor your kids your school everybody that you know that ever has anything to do with the child you're helping them and charities too yes for the price of one book so it, holy it keeps on giving it keeps on giving right and, and, yeah. and also if you you know there will be another series in this so if there's a topic you want us to address i will look for that person to be in the next book so please let us know if there's something else that you want to have addressed in a, in the book two of our forgotten children yeah, and if there's resources, links, yes. this kind of things that you'd like to see, let us know so that we can include it. Exactly. Because we're here for you to help you. That helps us. That helps everybody. So we're to here start the conversation. basically yeah. start the conversation moving. And we're out of time. Holy smokes. Thank you for listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships. Thank you for listening to the Navigating Complicated Relationship Show. Makayla returns Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember every relationship is a journey, and with the right tools, you can create stronger, more fulfilling connections.